Hello, and welcome to episode five of Women Talking About Their Lives. I'm joined by Max and Kitty, who wrote and edited a book, Detransition Before and After, to talk about detransition, lesbian feminism, the, hmm, would cosmetic industry be a fair way to describe that? We use the term in the book, the assimilation industries, which encompasses all of those things and more. Do you have anything to add to introduce yourselves? Yeah. Um, I'm Max. We live in Southern Oregon. I've mainly worked in disability support services. Uh, so the book is kind of drawing on some of that. Um, I transitioned as a, I, I got interested in transitioning as a 16 year old. I started estrogen blockers a little before I turned 17. When I was 17, I started, well, actually, I, mean, oh, I got testosterone before I turned, right before I turned 17. And then when I was 17, I had a mastectomy and I stopped transitioning when I was 20. And I'm 27 now. So that's what I've been up to. That's intense. Um, hmm. First, I just want to say, I'm, I've told you guys this privately, but I am a huge fan of the book. Um, I thought it was really smart, and I really appreciated the way that um, you're really able to use theory to politicize your experiences without sounding contrived or falling into right-wing into right-wing tropes. Totally. And it was really important to us to have, uh, I feel like, I feel like a lot of that comes from being really inspired by and drawing a lot from lesbian feminist work from second wave feminist cultural output, because, you know, a lot of that work is very, it's readable. It addresses current topical issues, but from a genuinely female-oriented perspective, and that was really what we were going for. Yeah, it's really cool. You'll, you'll, we'll sometimes get this feedback that it's really, it feels really fresh, and like, like, it's sort of like an approach that women haven't encountered before, but for us, it was really, really drawing on this, this body of work that Max was talking about, like, very second wave, very lesbian feminist, which, um, it's just, it's, really approachable and really amazing and really still really resonates and has a lot of really awesome concepts and and um ethics that we were able to draw on and you know what's really funny is that's what people like so much about andrea longshoe uh female is that he is he's doing he's doing a second wave second wave parody uh a sort of sexualized second wave uh guy parody he is, isn't he? Yeah. Totally, um, totally. A, lot of, a lot of his work reminds me of um, like an inverted intercourse. Yeah. Okay. It, no, it, it totally is. It is. is an absolute male reversal of second wave rhetoric. So when you do second wave style, but you actually do it like by woman for women. Wow. That really hits the spot. <laughs> I think it's so cool. People read, people read Andrea doing a second wave affect. And we're like, wow, this style is so original. And it's, he's, he's literally just ripping off Valerie Solanas. Um, Max, do you want to share a little bit what you feel in with, with almost a decade of hindsight now were the biggest 
sort of influences that compelled you to think that transition was a viable alternative to existing as a lesbian and what your conception of feminism what feminism or even just lesbian community was when you were a teenager totally yeah uh i was you know i knew i was a lesbian i i knew i was very into women girls I guess at the time <laughs> very young you know i'm getting in trouble when you're like five because you're kissing too much and whatever kissing wrong <laughs> um yeah. but i was i wasn't using the word lesbian for myself until i was like 15 16 and so i'm like i'm like 16 i'm googling like butch lesbian haircuts butch lesbian hats i'm just getting excited here <laughs> Um, and, and I get on auto straddle, um, and they got me all mixed up because, <laughs> you know, if you're reading, you know, auto straddle, even in 2013, I don't know what it would have been. Even then, you know, auto straddle was very forward on the trans stuff. So they were very, anything about butch stuff on there was very intermingled with like non-binary and FTM more so FTM at the time, really. Um, so I was like, oh, wow, you know, wow, this could really be me. I fucking hate my body and how I look and how people treat me. That sounds so familiar. Um, for me, definitely, it just was very overtly a response to misogyny. And, you know, at the time, I had seen a close friend get assaulted recently. I mean, within a couple of years of that, my sister was getting some pretty pretty uh pretty rough treatment uh in college and i'm in high school and i'm like trying to text her nice things <laughs> you know there's just a lot of sexual misconduct affecting women and girls i was close to and i you know wasn't a fan of the way i was being treated either even as like you know a weird dyke it's still like i have breasts so people have noticed that uh, it didn't feel good. I didn't like it. I didn't feel a lot of potential for myself as a lesbian. I didn't really see a good future for myself that way. I couldn't picture how I would grow up that way and what would happen in my life. Whereas it's like, if I become a guy, then wow, I did it. I'm like a guy now. Guys do like guy stuff. I'll do guy stuff then. Well, and the total isolation as well. Just The total isolation. Yeah, no, I knew like one lesbian and she was a fair amount older and not uh being very judicious about uh the age differences and the relationship she pursued and uh we didn't really have a connection and that was the only lesbian i'd like ever met um it just was i don't know i saw guys everywhere there were guys all over doing all kinds of stuff guys can do whatever i did not see a bunch of lesbians doing whatever i wasn't seeing a future for myself that way yeah, I mean that that uh we're we're the same age and that entirely tracks with um the first friend I had that transitioned I was about 14, so like 2009, 2010. And yeah, it was for like exactly the same reasons. So I I think there are more convoluted pathways definitely that some people have. I think some people it's it's there's there's things going on other than sexism exclusively but that really for me it really was like just like a sexism thing it really was that straightforward for me personally that was my issue woman hating and lesbian hating yeah 
Well, I mean, it sucks. And if you're a lesbian, like a lot of women can delude themselves into thinking that men will protect them from the worst aspects of sexism. But if you're a lesbian, that doesn't sound particularly appealing. No, no, nobody's coming. Definitely. So I think that. Did you find radical feminism before you detransitioned or after? So for me. For me, my detransition was kind of very tied up with the issue of, like, sexual violence by trans women inside queer communities. Because uh, at the time when, you know, I was a little ways out from medical transition, I was starting to, it was starting to become increasingly obvious that it hadn't really fixed the things I expected it to fix. I was still a pretty goofed up uh, person. Um, around that same time before I was really ready to delve into my whole issue, uh, it just, I was increasingly coming up against, like, the amount of sexual violence trans women were doing inside the, like, trans communities that I was in, which was just, like, it was off the wall. It was just, it was ridiculous. It was just, they were... Uh, it was a, a Thanksgiving dinner, man. It was not good. You could you could use the term epidemic pretty easily. It was ridiculous. And I mean, that's true of any... It's not specific to trans stuff to a point. You know, I mean, any insular community where m- males have an inordinate amount of power and female people don't really have the right to say no or to say something afterwards that that happens so it's not it's not like this is it's worse than like (laughs) a lot of religious communities or toxic work environments but that's not you know that's not to say it was really bad you know there's a lot of really really bad scenes like that and this was definitely one of them so for me that was that was where i started to be like this doesn't make sense i can't i I, there's just this constant dissonance of like how can all the things I believe be true? How is it true that like that rape is wrong and that trans women are the most victimized and least socially powerful people? But I'm literally seeing all the time my female friends uh, getting traumatized by being victimized by trans women in ways that reflect a pretty typical male-female power differential. So for me, that was kind of where I started to get into feminism and look into feminist analysis of that kind of thing. And from there it was like, Oh, sexism's real. And, and part of the pathway to that was the first thing the our sort of first pathway into this was um, being gender critical. We were both trans men at the time. And so we were gender critical trans men and we fell in with a small kind of insular online. It was a, it was a Tumblr kind of scene of gender critical trans people um, and we were really excited about this, and there was a lot of really awesome analysis going on. And at the time, it felt really, really good to see um, trans women saying gender critical and sort of radical feminist inspired things because it made you feel like you were allowed to think that. But then, unfortunately, we found out in this friend group the 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 dynamics the sex-based oppression dynamics the misogyny and everything was still there literally with the the very specialist most amazing sensitive uh trans women around who are so considerate it just it all played out the same way again it was like okay come on what what are are we doing here (laughs) yeah 
so then um max got in contact with with um some of the early uh detransitioned women bloggers yeah some of the women who are the very the very first woman talking publicly and online about this in an in an organized way or who I got in touch with and around, and that was around 2014. One of them sent us like a big a uh, big like stack of like feminist books. And we were like, "Oh, we were like feminism." <laughs> it was it was amazing. It was it was awesome. One of the books she gave us was Scum Manifesto and it was it was like we were like, "Wow." Mind blown. <laughs> it was it was incredible. Oh my god. <laughs> I can't imagine like the scum manifesto being your first introduction to real feminism. We were ready. We were ready for it. Yeah, she pegged us. We were good to go. <laughs> we have extremist hearts. Yes. We're we're ready to go. We just, you know, we need the right we need the right thing to go hard we on. We need a moral framework to examine and then accept. And it just it feels so much better to have views now where it's not the constant dissonance like the dissonance the dissonance felt really bad to not be able to square what i believe with what i was seeing and that's like not a problem now now i have like a value system and a, a set of beliefs about the world that when i see events happen i'm not like oh my god how could that ever happen am i real <laughs> yeah because i mean both of us felt really really strongly about trans stuff while we were in it like trans yeah. and queer stuff like i felt really seriously about radical queer theory and and trans women or women like that that was very real to me because that's how we thought we could help and do the right thing you yeah know? we would genuinely believe that you could break down gender and you could have this wonderful like queer like freedom and everything you could all just be people that's how you could all just be people yeah how how we could end depression and be people together so it really really sucked when that wasn't the case and now it's like i've actually experienced being in groups where everyone is just being people and it's generally it's groups of all women yeah you know i mean that's <laughs> That's typically how you get there. Just, I wanted to dig in a little bit more about the book and sort of the ideas that I think are more implicit and less explicit in text. How, by the 1990s and early 2000s, a majority of the country supported gay marriage. Um, gay people, including lesbians, were becoming more visible in every aspect of life. Like we had had like breakout lesbian pop stars. We had lesbians in movies. Um, by the early 2000s, 2010s, like Ellen DeGeneres was one of the biggest figures on TV. What, how, in your opinion, did this happen? There was a lot of really good organizing. I mean, a really effective, solid organizing, uh, for one. I think that's a big part of it. Um, I also think that there was, and this is a, this is how they achieved results as well. So I'm not totally knocking it because I, you know, I, I'm all for I'm all for gay marriage, but I think an element of getting that to be passed was based on this like we're the same as you. There's just something a little funny with us. We're not a challenge to the system in any way. We just want to we want to be squeezed into it. Like it was re redefining the whole thing as gay people aren't going to undermine existing power dynamics or we're not a threat to the traditional family, you know. Um, which I think there were obviously very real advantages to that approach. But at the same time, I personally would like lesbians to be a threat to the traditional family. So I wouldn't say I fully agree with it, even though I can see the wisdom behind it. But if you're asking how we got from lesbian, lesbian popular culture and lesbian, um, 
visibility, I guess is the, the term used a lot now, to to transgender being sort of the main focus. Um, that's a really interesting question. Um, to to think about how things went from from lesbian and, and gay to all being trans and queer. Well, I think part of it is that like during the heavy years of gay organizing and gay and lesbian organizing, they just they built up these like networks of nonprofits. They built up these this kind of nonprofit system for trying to bring about gay rights. And like in non in the nonprofit world, to my understanding, it's kind of like there's fads. You know, you've got these you've got the people with the money who you're kind of trying to appeal to. You've got a benefit coming up. You kind of you need the new thing. So I feel like part of that is just like kind of the the way things come in and out of fashion in the nonprofit world and how that translates to our politics. And and also the the transition from gay and lesbian to queer and trans um, definitely has to do with with feminism, both radical and lesbian feminism, being rejected and replaced by um, queer theory and queer culture and the rise of BDSM culture. Um, and sort of the rejection of feminist values is not fun for sure. And the, and the rise of oh, uh, a huge deal is the rise of, of porn and raunch culture as well. And honestly, I mean, I, I think that trans people did a good job in a lot of senses. I don't necessarily agree with the organizing goals. You know, I think that uh, the class of females as a group of people is real. Um, but, you know, housing protections, employment protections, a lot of it I can get behind. And a lot of it was solid organizing. Like, they they brought it about. They wanted it and they got it, a lot of it. So, in a way, you know, kudos. We, hmm, strategically might have something to learn from them. Right. You know, I mean, it was some well, big gets. I don't feel we can't do the same thing because we don't have men involved. That's the thing. Yeah, that's the thing. You, you need gotta, the, you gotta have the you guys, need the big sad guys. You need the guys' interest. You need the guys, the guys' money and power and and voices and everything. You know, there's nothing a woman can do that's equivalent to a guy cutting off his balls in jail. There's no woman's gesture that's that. We can't do that. Nobody gives a shit. Of gay kids, how they could get wrapped up in an ideology that's so incredibly homophobic and has such devastating like long-term consequences for your health and emotional health like emotional well-being even sort of as like we won gay marriage you know this is all kind of happening in that shadow we're like we was on tv well i mean part of winning gay marriage was appealing to like fitting in and a pretty I mean, it's not really that much. Gay marriage just wasn't that much of a departure from, or gay marriage, Ellen, you know, like the kind of, the gay people you see on ABC Family, the lesbians you see on ABC Family, they're not, they're not representing a threat, you know? So, you know, like, they don't really challenge sexism that much. So, I mean, I think that's part of where it comes in is that we've gotten these we've gotten these wins that matter definitely and have changed people's lives in really huge ways it matters to be able to get married it matters to be able to be hired and not removed from your housing and everything but at the same time we haven't at all addressed the underlying issue of like heterosexism as a foundational like i mean just the core of like our culture in a lot of really significant ways those things were, we didn't challenge that. And that's how we got the wins is because we made it easy to give us the wins comparatively. 
we weren't the big scary monsters everybody thought we were. Yeah, so it's like those same sentiments get crop just crop up in a different way. Yeah, yeah, and if you're a kid and you're growing up and you're like, oh, I have all these, I have all these feelings, I have all these urges, and you see, like this cute ABC Family lesbian couple that looks nothing like you and your friends at all, and they don't behave like them at all, and they're like wearing makeup and they have straight hair, you're just like, I'm, I'm, these are not my people. <laughs> I'm not one of them either. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've never, I've never seen the L word. I've never seen, I don't, I, 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 it's interesting because there's, I, I met other lesbians like myself who didn't really seek it out in media. And there's some lesbians who have watched like everything lesbian and read everything lesbian, you know, desperately looking for that reflection of yourself. Like, I think they're both responses to the same problem, which is like, you know, where, where are the lesbians who are like me? Which is why the, the woman's culture of the 80s and 70s 80s and 90s and the lesbian culture of the 70s and 80s and 90s was was so incredible and so vibrant yeah so do you want to talk a little bit more about your journey into radical and lesbian feminism and how that addressed problems and like emotional community needs that the queer community couldn't or wouldn't address totally yeah I mean, for me, it was really, the biggest thing was, like, reading. Like, I definitely am someone who gets their information that way. That is how I like to learn. And with feminist stuff, it's just, there's so much cool shit. Like, the the periodicals. Um, I mean, all the old Sinister Wisdoms are just online. There's archives of all the Common Lives Lesbian Lives. Uh, starting there and reading the books that they mentioned that sound interesting. Getting recommendations from women I knew. Just like reading everything felt so awesome. Cause it's like, even, like, even when they're completely off base, it's like, I hadn't been exposed really to women, like thinking about the world that freely, like women considering things themselves. And from a female focused perspective, that was, I mean, I don't even, and I don't even think it's like, it's not that possible for the vast majority of women to even get to that place alone. Like it can only come out of having this community experience and going, going to events, meeting feminists, having friendships where we have those values in common. It definitely, it just changed everything. Like instead of it just being, instead of, you know, you're just being weird, like you're being too sensitive, having, having the kinds of pain that motivated my transition recognized as like really serious and mattering was huge and i mean that's a big part of what worked for me about being trans too was that like when i was a teenage girl nobody gave a shit about any of it it was all teenage girl stuff no one cares if a teenage girl cuts herself or hates her body or you know it's, it's troubled about her sexuality like oh whatever teenage girl it's teenage stuff it's teenage girl stuff like they're like when i went to the therapist they didn't they were like obviously like it's teenage girl stuff you know um and then being trans was like oh you're in this huge amount of pain that really matters you could really hurt yourself this is a really big deal we really have to get on this and it's like suddenly whether people like it or don't everyone recognizes something very dramatic is happening that matches the level of intensity that you're feeling so for me feminism was one step better than that because my pain mattered and the world also made sense. Um, whereas with trans stuff, my pain mattered, but there was a lot of 
very fiddly mental work to keep it all propped up. Very tiring. I can only imagine, especially when you're like watching things that happen in the community and among your own like peers that just 100% disprove everything that you all claim to believe. Totally. It didn't make sense. All right. So that includes part one of my interview with Max and Kitty. Um, you can purchase Detransition Beyond Before and After through Amazon, Barnes & Noble, um, through the actual SpinFX website. Um, and I believe you can also check for it at your local library or request it at your local library. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about transition transitional medicine as well as um about the long-term effects of psychology and psychiatry on gay communities in the u.s in the next episode i figured this would just be a good a little a good place to stop quick reminder that um you can find me on tiktok instagram twitter through fight softly f1 ghtsoft s-o-f-t-l-y um, I also have a Tumblr account, which I think I use primarily um, under that name as well. Um, if you're interested in coming on the pod, if you have anything to promote on the pod, um, if you make art, music, you know, any kind of feminist content at all, or you're just a woman who is a feminist looking to sell services to other women, please contact me at sharfightsoftly at gmail.com, spelled the same way that my social handles are c-h-a-r-f-1-g-h-t-s-o-f-t-l-y at gmail.com and i'll link it um in the show notes as well thank you so much and um i'll see you next wednesday